welcome um, to uh, another one of these virtual services. And um, I'm Dave Thurston, one of the elders. Um, and um, just a couple of housekeeping rules, really. The first is um, if you can stay on mute unless you're um, actually talking. Um, otherwise, it just gets a, a bit of a mess in terms of uh, the sound. Um, I think we're all getting pretty used to this. Um, but um, if you are watching this on uh, YouTube, um, then you're very welcome. Um, and if you're watching this on Zoom, you're also very welcome. Um, but you don't need to mute yourself if you're on YouTube. Okay. So um, today, uh, Dave Grimshaw is going to be leading us. And um, as an eldership, we're trying to encourage people to read the Bible. Um, and so hopefully you've had a chance to have a look at the uh, readings from the lectionary, which were on the website um, for last week. Um, and um, so if you uh, do have a Bible to hand, um, it's always good to, to, uh, to follow along with the readings. They will appear on screen, but uh, it gives you an opportunity to read a little bit around uh, the reading. And uh, both readings today are from Matthew 13. So if you want to dig out a Bible before we get there, um, they're from Matthew 13. Uh, and they'll be um, a little bit later on in the service. So uh, without any further ado, I shall hand over to our speaker this morning, uh, Dave Grimshaw. Good morning. Uh, call to worship this morning, taking from uh, Psalm 138. May all the rulers of earth praise you, Lord, when they hear what you've decreed. May they sing of the ways of the Lord, for the glory of the Lord is great. Though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he sees them from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. Let's have a prayer just to open our service. Father God, we thank you that we can gather together, um, even though we're scattered. We just thank you for the technology and the opportunity that enables this. We pray your blessing on our gathering this morning, particularly as we have the beginnings of just perhaps a practice of a get-together physically as well with uh, just a few very well-distanced people trying it out in church. Wherever we are, Lord, and whatever our circumstances, whatever was in our hearts and minds before we started our service, we pray that you bless us and draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And uh, we'll carry on in prayer with the Lord's Prayer, which will be brought to us by Colin. So let's just continue in prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Right, um, so now it's birthdays, um, so uh, 
just going to go on to gallery. Anybody got a birthday this, this week? I even brought my Bon Tempe keyboard again. Um, I've been practicing with, with both fingers, so, uh, no? Oh, well. Um, just to say, um, and this is, this is just, I, I know we're about to, we were about to burst into song there for happy birthday, but those who are in our outside broadcasting unit at Thomas Risley, when it comes to the, um, song at the end, um, um, this isn't, this is not a joke. Um, currently you're not allowed to sing in church. So, um, you'll have to sort of hum along or something, but everybody else can, can uh, burst into song at the end, but you're not allowed to sing in church at the moment due to government guidelines. But anyway, um, no happy birthday, which is a bit of a shame. Um, so we're now going to have the first of our readings, uh, this morning from Matthew 13. So if you want to follow along on your Bible, um, and that should be from Rona. Yes, I'm, read, I'm reading from Matthew 13, verses 1 through to 9, and it's the parable of the sower. That same day, Jesus went out of the house, and he sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into the boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. And then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Amen. The second reading is Matthew 13, verses 18 to 23. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Rona and Pam. Um, when um, 
I looked at the lectionary for what the readings were for this week and saw the parable of the sower. My first thought was, I'm not going to use that passage because this is so familiar. It's something that uh, if you're anything like me, you've had a, uh, been brought up in church, you've come through Sunday school, the parable of the sower is one that you will have heard, you will have, have come across. And if you're also like me, you've probably done drama sketches about it when you were in the church youth group and things like that. And then even if you wanted, we want to try and explore it a bit further and actually look at what it means. Very handily, Jesus himself says in a few verses after the, uh, the, the parable itself, he explains what it means. So there we are, job done. We can finish early today. Um, and, and I thought, well, you know, I'm not going to use that. Uh, and to cut a long story short, thinking about it, praying about it, I think it is right for us actually to look again at this really familiar parable it's such a familiar story farmer comes along sows his seed some falls on the path the birds eat that some falls on the stony ground and it's got shallow roots so when the sun comes up the, the, the plants although they start growing wither and die away um, then there's this growth which is initially promising it starts off well but the thorns come and choke it out and uh, finally thank goodness because we need a happy ending there's good soil and the plant that's there the seed that goes in there turns into a plant which produces 30 or 60 or 100 times uh, there we go and we've, we've heard the story before and we've heard Jesus's explanation just as we've heard it and it, it's in all three gospels uh, all, all three of the synoptic gospels so it's in this is from Matthew but you can also find it in Mark and Luke as well and um, so it, it's it's really kind of that common stuff and being a parable um, it's partly allegorical, which, as I'm sure you know, means that some things in the story, in the narrative, stand for things uh, in real life. And so I, I went to, 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 to read around and study around this and think, right, you know, is there anything that is not immediately obvious? Well, me being me, yeah, there are things actually that start to look around that are not immediately obvious. And one of the things that I found when I started reading about this is that we call it the parable of the sower. Throughout quite a bit of history, um, since ever since really the Bible became available in common English, some commentators have said this to us, rather as distinct from Jesus' immediate disciples at the time when he had been stood in a boat and preaching to the crowds and was explaining to them, that to us coming on later, this is actually the parable of the soil or the parable of the soils. Because it's about our response. It's about the reception we give to the seed, the blessings, the words from God as they come into our life. So maybe we should call it now the parable of the soils. And there's actually quite a lot written on that basis about this particular parable. And some of the people who've written that are quite significant in the history of the church and also in the history of, of our kind of church, you know, Reformed church, which tends to um, emphasize the active of us being active Christians and being actively engaged in our faith uh, therefore you know rather than just lying there and having seed pelted on us we should actually look to the soil we should get out some implements and start you know tilling the soil and improving it and things like that and that sounds good it sounds good to me there you go God's God's the farmer he's uh, uh, sowing on us uh, his blessings and and, and his word um, and it, it's up to us to how we respond. Uh, and if we're hard hearted, it's going to be like the trodden down path bit of the farmer's land where the seed just kind of like bounces off. Um, and if we 
if we hear it and but we kind of like forget about it or background it then that's the cares of the world and things that getting in the way and you know the usual and if by any chance we happen to be very very good christians and we've got our spiritual lives in order then we are fertile soil and we will bear much fruit there we are we're we're done Uh, that's it that's interpreted but i don't think that's right controversial um let me explain i don't think it's entirely right i don't think it's wholly right i think it's only partially right and that in itself is is a cause for us i think to go back and have a look again at this parable is it really the parable of the soils i don't think it is but i do want you to hold the thought about the soils and about our response because jesus himself says in the second reading that that pam brought us to jesus explains it and at the outset he says to the disciples and to us this is a parable of the kingdom it's a parable of the kingdom of god now if we're christians already and actual fact even if we're not christians already but if we're christians already we recognize that we are part of the kingdom and our discipleship our christian life is about trying to live a kingdom life a kingdom of god life so we are included we're not excluded but jesus does make the point at the beginning of his exposition to the disciples this is a parable of the kingdom it explains to us something about the rule of god and the nature of god as ruler of our lives so let's consider the players in this parable and the first one we start with is the farmer and in this kind of more kingdom emphasized uh, interpretation of it god is the farmer with the seed and think about the uh, modern I'm, i'm not a farmer i don't know but i'm going to talk to you now about agricultural practice which is kind of kind of ironic I do I do a little bit of gardening uh, and as some of the plants will tell testament I'm not the world's best at tilling and uh, nurturing and growing things but I did a little bit of history at school and uh, well I did a lot of history at school I even remember a little bit anyone who followed a similar kind of syllabus to me would have heard of people like Jethro Tull no I'm not talking about the flautist in a rock band I'm talking about the inventor of a seed drill um and Modern farming is said to come from people like Jethro Tull who invented a seed drill. So rather than throwing seed out onto the ground, the idea was you had a machine, a device, and it would make a hole in the ground and it would sort one seed into one hole. And the drill bits were nicely and properly spaced apart. Yeah. So yes, there's no wastage here, it's very efficient. Drill a hole, put a seed in it, move on. Drill another hole, put a seed in it, move on. and really that's the way that arable farmers work nowadays it's very efficient um there is just the right amount of seed going in just the right spacing into the right soil do any more than that and it's wastage and agriculture particularly these days needs to be efficient but that's not the picture that is being painted at the time jesus was telling this parable the kind of sowing that is being employed here is a person farmer basket under arm throwing seed out on the ground 
it's called broadcasting. It is actually called broadcasting. And when I, uh, this isn't the first time I've realised that the term broadcasting actually comes originally from agriculture. I'm a child of the 20th century, grown up into the 21st century. To me, broadcasting is about things like radio, television, and in some aspects, the internet. And the thing about the broadcasting that I understand and that I used to work in is it's from one to many. Okay, so there's one person in front of a TV camera, there's one person in front of a microphone, and the programme, the signal goes out to many people, even if there's nobody listening, even if everybody's got their TV sets and radio sets switched off, it still goes out. Okay, hopefully, if you're relying on it for your living, some people are listening, and then maybe you do get back from them but the original idea the model of why this form of electronic communication which developed into the in the 20th century and has come on into the 21st century is called broadcasting is because it's a method of distribution of a message which is like this parable it's not like the seed drill in in modern terms um uh, in the internet particularly we talk about sometimes narrow casting to say actually that the message is going out to a very defined user uh, and it's not meant for everybody but this parable the distribution of the seed the kind of agriculture being employed is broadcasting broadcasting the seed so the farm is there with a, a, a container basket under the arm and they grab some and throw it out as the farmer's God, I can bring in other contexts and say something about the seed that's in here. Uh, and this is plump, fat, juicy, virile, fecund, fertile seed that is ready as it hits the ground to burst into strong life. God is not going to distribute to us weak, measly stuff. He's not going to do what I did when I wanted to seed some parts of my lawn and buy the cheapest box I could find from the supermarket. This is good stuff. This is the kingdom message that's from God. And how does he distribute this? It's not picking out one and plonking it in and then making a little hole again and picking it out and put it in. Digging a great big hand in, a handful in, getting a great fistful of seed and throwing it. And again, I'm throwing it and the method is used and you can still see you can still see this happening in parts of the world. And there are videos of it of broadcasting seeds, walking up and down the land, digging in, throwing out the seed. And the skill is in getting plenty of it and actually spreading it evenly as you walk up and down. And that is the metaphor of how God is treating us. He's not like the farmer who I like I might do, who says, I'm not going to waste any soil, uh, any seed on this bit of the soil, because this is the path. This is where people walk up and down and it's all hard. And if I throw any 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 seed on there, it's going to be wasted. No, the parable clearly says the, the blessing, the word of God is going on the hard bit. He doesn't come to the stony bit and go, no, oh, this is no good. This bit, I'll not waste any seed here because it's, it's all stony, rocky ground. It's not going to develop proper roots. I'll save my blessings for the good bits. No, that poor soil, stony soil, that gets the seed as well. And he doesn't go to another bit and say, this is the bit where it always gets weeds and thorns later on. They grow up later on. So 
anything up anything I, I i i sow here is going to be wasted because oh, I, I always get thorns and weeds grow up in this patch no that gets the blessing as well just the same as the good soil so this bit's looking good i'm likely to get a three uh, a 30 fold or 60 fold or 100 fold return from here now, if that was me, if I was that farmer, I'd be going, I'm not going to waste my stuff on those other patches. I'm just going to concentrate on the good patch. But that's not what God's like. God's blessing falls on us thoroughly all the time. Now, that is that puts the idea of our response, I think, in a in a different light. It doesn't doesn't change the facts, but it puts it in a in a different light that none of us are more favoured than anybody else. And even if we have times in our life when we are being hard-hearted and resistant, God is still sowing his kingdom life into us. Even if we have times when we are hugely distracted and we seem to be burdened down with cares and, and distractions and it feels to us that we can't engage very well with a spiritual life, God's God's treating us just the same. He's giving us the richness of his blessing and his word just the same. Swapping off the next page of my notes, excuse me. And we can take from that really to heart an understanding, a reinforcement of what we know of the nature of our Lord God. This is not the kind of a concept of God which some people have. They maybe have uh, no religious faith or different religious faiths or partial faiths or even Christians who have times of, of doubt and confusion where you see God as, as kind of like a, an authority figure or somebody who sets standards that we fall short of. He does set standards. And it says in Romans, we all fall short of his standards. But that's not our primary engagement with him. That's not his primary engagement with us. He wants to bless us wherever we are. That's not an encouragement just not to bother. And quite the opposite, it's actually. It's a, a response from our hearts to change the nature of our lives, to change the reception we give to what he's saying to us and how he's blessing us uh, from resistant or unproductive soil into good soil. And that's where it comes from. God loves us so much that wherever we are, whatever we are doing, where we're behaving, he's still blessing us. And in particular, I think for me, one of the things that is constant in this constant um, sowing from God uh, into our lives is his calling to us. God, in that the message, part of the message that's in that seed, which is always coming into our lives, is God is saying, Come closer. Come closer to me. If you're not a Christian yet, then you have an acceptance step to take as you go closer to God. It's a bit of, I say it's a bit of a threshold. It feels like a massive threshold. Speaking as somebody who did that, albeit a long time ago now, I can remember what a massive threshold it was. Those of us who live uh, as Christians now, who are in a relationship with God, look back and realise that we only had to take the tiniest step on that threshold. And God's grace and his love is such that he does all the rest for us. Um, but anyway, there's, that's what there is. It, so the calling to a non-Christian is to come closer over that threshold. 
the calling for us Christians is to come closer to him than we are already. And no matter how many steps we've taken in life to get closer to him, he's still calling us even closer. And even if we find ourselves, let's not be smug, certainly I, I have no reason to be, in a position where you say, actually, I'm quite good soil. I am, I am producing a 30-fold response to the blessings that God's given me in my life. God's saying, let's have 60. And if I do a 60-fold response, God's saying, let's have 100. And I don't think actually the numbers matter. It's the principle that matters. God is always calling us closer. And that's the message that needs to actually take root in our lives and to grow and flourish. Uh, there's no such thing in God's concept as too close. We have that as humans, don't we? Whoa, close enough, close enough, yeah? Um, God will never, ever say that to us. He'll actually say, more, come on in, let's, more. I'm, I want to do more, I want to do more, I want to bless you more. And it's because he loves us. It, it's a kingdom message of love. So that's why I think the interpreters who have said this should maybe be called the parallel of the soils, they, of course they have a perfectly valid point, but it is the parable of the sower because the sower is God and it's about the richness of his kingdom. It, it's a kingdom parable. So having made that point, there's actually a lot we could go into here. We could look at the different kinds of soil. We could look at some of the characters that come along, you know, the kind of plants that grow what happens to them and uh, i said earlier on uh, if you're anything like me you were once in a, in a in a youth group or a young adults group where you did sketches about parables and i remember we did one um and there's a, so there's a couple of things i want to draw out of this it's, it, i'm not going to go we haven't got the time here we haven't we haven't got the scope to go into depth into all of these things but as dave said earlier i really hope that we'll all read this and read the verses which are actually in between the two the two readings we had uh, skipped out eight verses uh, where Jesus explains to the well the disciples asked Jesus why don't you just tell it like it is why do you talk to us in parables and Jesus explains that and I think that's that's really well worth looking into uh, but that's maybe a sermon for another time um, but let's just pick out two of the points uh, from Jesus's explanation and and I in in one of them I'll refer back to um, a sketch that I used to be in about this but before I get to that one I just want us to think about the seed which falls on the hard trampled ground that's resistant ground and this it, the ground's so hard the seed can't establish it can't get in and I don't know, maybe you're a much better person, a much better uh, Christian than I am. But certainly in my life, both before I was a Christian, when God, I knew God was calling me, but I decided to be hard and resistant, hard hearted. And in times of my Christian life, when I've been hard hearted, there's a kind of background assumption that I'll get round to doing that God stuff in a bit. It's like the uh, the old sinner's prayer, isn't it? Very cynical. God make me a good person, but not yet. Yeah, there's that kind of idea that the seed's fallen on the ground. It's been delivered. I can always get come to it later on when I finish being my kind of hard, resistant, selfish self. That's not what the parable says happens. What happens to the seed which is sown is the birds come along and eat it. It doesn't stay there. 
And Jesus quite clearly says this is enemy action. This is sometimes not a popular thought in current Christianity. We don't like to think of there being a devil, Satan, whatever, working against that. But the Bible's quite clear. We're in a spiritual dynamic. In fact, the Bible actually calls it warfare. And the enemy action is that the word will not just lie there. It will be taken. Now, happily for us, sowing is a perennial thing. Okay, next year, the farmer will sow again. It's in the natural cycle of things. And so it's no such thing as a last chance and you, you've missed it. There's always a chance to receive the blessing from God. But it might not be at our choosing. It will be at his choosing. So it's something to bear in mind, I think. The other thing I just want to say, which does relate to this sketch I keep talking about, is about what in some um, depictions of this parable that I've come across is the weeds. So, yeah, some seed falls into soil, which is good, and it germinates, but things, weeds grow up round about it and choke it out. And in this sketch that we were in, I'll always remember it because a very good friend of mine played the part in the sketch of this particular growth. And he did this part was to grow up, grow up, grow up and blossom. And then two of us would jump up from the side and strangle him and drag him back down again. And it was quite rumbustuous and it was good fun. And um, there, was, there, was, there was always Andy who played the part of the plant who uh, initially grew and blossomed, but then got strangled out, choked out. And there's quite a lot of competition amongst us for the ones who were going to jump up and grab him by the neck and drag him down again. It seemed, seemed to us to be quite a rumbustious thing to do. And I've always remembered that as weeds, weeds that do the bad action. But in reading around this, in almost all, not quite all, but almost all translations of the Bible, the word used is more specific than weed. And it's a thorn. It specifically says thorns. And that set me to thinking, particularly about us and our current situation, current weird times that we're living in. And Jesus says that, that these thorns, and he uses the word thorns in his explanation, are, I want to read it um, absolutely right, which would be handy if I could, yep, here we go. The seed falling among the thorns, verse 22 in Matthew 13, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word. So there's two things that Jesus says here. Worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth. He's, and it's not an accident that the word used is thorns because they're more than just weeds. Weeds, I know as a gardener, um, are troublesome because their plants growing where you don't want them and they compete um, with the plants that you do want. They compete for light and air and nutrition. Yeah, so they are, they are choking them out by just competing against them. And it's often the way that the plant that you do want, you're trying to grow, is a bit more delicate. The weeds are the natural plants which just naturally seed themselves around. And so they're more vigorous. So you have to do the weeding. With thorns... I think we've all had the experience of being caught by thorns. Thorns 
are sharp and prickly and they entangle you. They damage us. They damage our clothes. They damage our skin. You get a scratch from a thorn, you know about it. It hurts. You bleed. It rips your trousers, rips your socks, whatever. And I think many of us have been in a situation where ourselves or people we've been with have got caught in brambles and you end up saying stop struggling because the more you struggle against it the more tightly it seems to dig in you and grab you have to have some help to actually somebody who's willing to have their fingers injured or who's got gloves or whatever to actually pull away and cut away before you can get out and I think these worries of life can be very very entangling it's not merely, oh, that shouldn't be there, pull it up, chuck it in the green bin for composting, problem solved. I think we have sometimes in our lives very, very thorny, knotty problems which really, really bind us. And when we're like that, we need help from each other to get out of them. Sometimes it's not just simple and straightforward. And I think there's a message in this for us as a church, as a community of Christians that if I get stuck in thorns, I need to ask you to help me get out of it. If I get entangled in worries of life, and if you get entangled in worries of life, you need to ask your fellow Christians, your brothers and sisters in Christ, to help you out. And that, that should be part of our Christian community life. We shouldn't be afraid or ashamed to ask when that happens. And this is a good point for me to give a plug for the fact that at the end of this service is a breakout room for prayer. So if that's you, try that or get in touch with one of the elders or one of the other Christians in this community and talk together and pray together about the things that are entangling you in life. And the other thing that Jesus says is the deceitfulness of wealth. And my first thought on that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if you're a very wealthy person, you're very caught up in your wealth. And that's true, actually. That is true. The more wealth you have, the more it becomes an, an ensnarement for you. Um, but the deceitfulness of wealth can be many things. And it's possible to be poor and still be deceived by the ideas of wealth. Um, I am not advocating living a poor lifestyle. Um, but there have been times in my life when I've been very poor and I assure you it wasn't by choice it wasn't because I thought it was a good thing and and, and I don't I don't advocate it necessarily but let's just be sophisticated the bible calls on us to be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves let's be sophisticated in our understanding about the deceitfulness of wealth which includes things like envy and wishful thinking and things like that because in this parable, Jesus tells us it's a thorn, it's an entanglement, it's a bramble. Something for us to think about. Finally, let's just remember what I said before, that the farmer doesn't sow once. We don't, if you feel, you know, after considering this parable, uh, maybe you've muffed it sometime in the past in the way you received God's blessings and God's message, it's an activity that the good farmer perennially repeats again and again. There's always the next seed, there's the next blessing. Remember the nature of the seed that God gives. It's generous, it's full, and it's always designed to grow 
strongly and well. That's what he wants. It's designed to help us to draw closer to him because he loves us. Um, let's just give thanks and praise and glory to God because of that. Can I just finish this by um, reading another a short few verses from the lectionary uh, for today? And this is from Isaiah 55, verse 10. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth, says the Lord. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Amen. And hand over to Pam for prayers for ourselves and the wider community. Okay, everybody, if you can go on to speak of you, not because I want to, you to see me, because I want to show you something and get it right. So this morning, this heart represents God's love and all our prayers are covered by God's love. So I've even written, I love you. And that is God talking to us and covering over all our prayers this morning. So if you want to keep your eyes open and look at the heart and representing God's love, that's fine. If you want to close your eyes, let's pray. Lord, this morning we want to thank you. We want to thank you for a sunny day. We want to thank you for the beauty and the majesty we see in your creation. Lord, we want to thank you that you love us. And Lord, as well, this morning, we thank you for the news we had about the birth of baby Alexander this week. And we thank you for him and his parents. But Lord, this morning, we want to pray for our world. For your people. People today, Lord, who have a common foe with the coronavirus. Lord, we pray for your governments. We pray for the agencies, Lord, and we pray for ordinary people who are helping out, who are doing what they can to get the world through this crisis. Lord, we thank you for our NHS, for carers, for all those vital services that keep things ticking over and keep things as normal as possible. Lord, this morning we want to pray for those who are involved in research, for those who are looking how to treat this illness, those looking for a vaccine. We pray, Lord, for your inspiration and your guidance to them. And we pray, Lord, that whatever is discovered will be shared responsibly throughout your people, throughout your world. And we pray for each one of us, Lord, that you would help us to be sensible, to be responsible and to think of others always in our actions and what we do and where we go. Lord, we thank you that we've been able to use Zoom throughout this time, that we've been able to keep together, that we've been able to continue with our fellowship with each other 
and to share you with each other through this medium. And we pray this morning, Lord, for those who are in church, joining in this service. We thank you, Lord, that things are improving and we pray that you would light the way forward for us. But we do remember this morning, Lord, those countries who are really suffering with the surgence of the virus. America, South America, India, Asia. Lord, we lift these places to you. We remember, Lord, to pray for all those who are ill, those who are grieving, those who are frightened and anxious, those who are lonely. There are still people who are hungry, Lord, who live in poverty, who are homeless, refugees, suffering the effects of violence and war on top of all the worries of coronavirus. And we lift your world to you, Lord. We pray your love and mercy and grace would surround our world, that you would hold it in your hands. Lord, we think of our own community. We thank you for the ties that we have with school. Lord, school has its last week this week. And we pray you would be with all the activities that they have planned. That children might appreciate a little bit of normality. And that you would be with our schools, Lord, as they work towards September, when all the children should be going back. Lord, we bring before you our friends and family. We lift them to you, Lord, and we thank you for them. We pray, Lord, that you would always help us to take the opportunity to sow your seed and to care for your seeds. Lord, we lift to you in prayer so many, many who are not known to us, but we know that you know each person by name. And we commit all those people to your love and your grace and your care. For we pray in your name. Amen. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy Sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship your holy
Tim and I uh, hope uh, other than those obviously in the church building you had a good sing-along there. We're going to finish um, with the grace um, and then um, there will be a breakout room which will appear at the bottom of your screen hopefully and that's where we'll um, have a, a chance to pray. So myself and Pam I think it is are uh, in the prayer room or the breakout room uh, immediately after the service so do come and join us if you um, if you want uh, personal prayer, but um, we'll say the grace together. If you want to uh, unmute, uh, Zoom seems a little bit better at this than eight uh, eight was. So um, there we are, famous last words. So 
May the grace